First Nail of Purification, Talk 1, Humility, First Level. I want to introduce this encounter with a great joy because I have been hearing what the Lord has been given to Lourdes for all of us, and it's just so amazing. So I encourage everyone to take it to heart and to not just listen to it, but actually we need to ponder it and take time for the Spirit to bring it to life. I think it's really amazing that God did not permit this retreat to be given neither in Colombia nor in the United States in person, the way we do every year. And actually, without us planning this with the circumstances in the world right now, this retreat is going to be our first retreat that is a one-month, and I don't even want to call it a retreat. It's one month of spiritual exercises of Love Crucified. And in God's infinite wisdom and understanding, he knew that to enter the depth of the beginning of entering his sacred heart, the beginning of our crucifixion, through the death of our desires and expectations, we would need more than a three-day retreat. So we will take reflections one a week for four weeks to be able to allow the spirit and open ourselves up to do this profound work. So let us begin. This morning we're beginning with the introduction to the retreat. And there are some words that the Lord gave us this past year in September 13th of 2019 that are very significant. The Lord was already preparing us last year as a community to bring us into his sacred heart, which is chapter four of the path, to come to actually begin the crucifixion with the first nail. So our Lord in this message to our community said, the greatest work of the simple path is leading souls into the deep of their own hearts to encounter me. And just that opening sentence is so powerful because God is allowing us to know the greatest work. The majority of people never enter into the depth of their hearts. The majority of seminaries never enter. The seminarians never have the formation to enter into the school of the heart. And yet, that is the only place that we enter transformation and union with God. And in the second sentence, the Lord tells us, he says, a soul's obstacles to me lie within the heart. How beautiful. That's what we've been living in love crucified from the beginning. Entering our hearts to enter our wounds, disordered desires, disordered tendencies, 
all the obstacles that lie within our heart that keep us from true peace, from true happiness, from coming to know the greatness, the love, the mercy of God. So the Lord continues to tell us, My mercy flows from my pierced heart on the cross. Every soul must approach the foot of my cross with Mary and open their hearts in order to receive my infinite mercy through my most precious blood. It is my mercy that leads a soul to follow me on the path of my passion. It is my mercy that reveals to each soul their many patterns of sins and thus brings them to repentance only so that they can be filled with even more of my mercy. Do you understand, my little ones? My mercy is all, active and alive in the world, yet souls do not continue to enter the depth of my mercy because the grace of all graces, to live consumed in my mercy, is only reserved for the souls that respond in love to become one with my love crucified. These are the souls who are crucified with me. These are the souls who die to themselves and in that process come to know, taste, and see the goodness of God. These are the souls who do not only live consumed in the ocean of God's mercy, but they are transformed in my mercy and become mercy. These are the great saints of the end times. To say that the grace of all graces and to live consumed in my mercy is only reserved for the souls that respond in love, reminds me of the gospel when Jesus is now alone with a few and he says, to you has been given the knowledge, but not to them. So does that mean that God is excluding people? No. What it means is that only a few chose to remain beyond the initial, the spectacular. The crowds would come. They would want to see what's going on. Jesus had now become attractive because of his wonders. But you have to remain, and that's a choice of love. And so God is not excluding any anyone. This is for everyone but there needs to be a decision in each one of us. Lord, I want to stay with you. I want to work this out. I want to choose to empty myself so that you can fill me with your presence and your grace. And that's the work. That's the work we have to do now. So this is our introduction. So we are the few. And we thank God because even that is the grace that we're here and we've said yes, be crucified with him. So 
This entire retreat we're going to travel together and live together this month is also united in growth and humility. So in this introduction, we are going to review the first level of humility as we prepare to enter the first nail of crucifixion and in that process enter the second level of humility. And St. Faustina has a lot of teachings in her diary of words from our Lord and her words that teach us a great deal of humility that is very united to our path. So in number 1306, St. Faustina says, First, I want to remind everyone that humility is, we say that Mary is the gate. Mary is humility, full of humility. So we have to be like her, fully humble. So when we talk about humility, be attentive, because without this, there's nothing else. Because humility simply is the only way that we can allow God to be God and we to realize how much we absolutely depend on him. And there are different levels of humility. So we are speaking now about the first level of humility. And this is a review of what we've been living. Yeah. Oh, humility, lovely flower, I see how few souls possess you. It is because you are so beautiful and at the same time so difficult to attain. Oh yes, it is both the one and the other. Even God takes pleasure in her. The floodgates of heaven are open to a humble soul. And a sea of graces flows down upon her. Oh, how beautiful is a humble soul. From her heart, as from a censer, rises a varied and most pleasing fragrance, which breaks through the skies and reaches God himself, filling his most sacred heart with joy. God refuses nothing to such a soul. She is all-powerful and influences the destiny of the whole world. That is why, my family, the Lord tells us that with the few that truly enter the depths of their hearts, the few that enter into the depths of the cross to be crucified with Jesus are the few that are clothed in the beauty of humility. And that is why when St. Faustina says they can influence and will through the grace of God, the destiny of the whole world, the Lord tells love crucified through my remnant, through my little mustard seed, you will have the power of God to pierce the darkness of Satan and usher in the air of peace with the Eucharistic reign of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is the power of a humble soul. And in here, there is a great paradox. Because we want to be powerful, we want to be great, and then we are not. But when we are humble, 
then we are all-powerful and we can influence the destiny of the world. So it goes on to say... I'm going to skip up to here, Father. Okay. Oh, humility, strike deep roots in my whole being. Oh, virgin, most pure, but also most humble, help me to attain deep humility. Now I understand why there are so few saints. It is because so few souls are deeply humble. And remember the last sentence of how we began with the message from the Lord of 2019. The Lord said, these are the great saints of the end times. So we are growing in humility. And this is very much in line with number 26 of our simple path on page 80, Blossoms of Humility. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the second part, it was all an analogy that God gave me. The first time I noticed my gardenia plant was blossoming with gardenias, and I would walk in my patio every day and see the plant, but it was only when it blossomed that I actually came to the gardenia plant and smelled the flower. And then I went to my room to pray and our Lord placed this teaching. And at the end, he says, this is an analogy of a human soul when she begins to blossom in true humility. She brings great joy to the father and he stoops down to smell her fragrance of humility, just like that flower called me to itself because it was so beautiful and I couldn't resist to come close to it. That's how God is when he sees truly beautiful souls that are humble. He stoops down. He can't resist to get close to us. Thus filling the heart of God with joy. My Lord, I asked him, how does a soul grow in the beauty of humility? And he said, In order for a plant to blossom, she must be watered, nurtured, and live under the rays of the sun. A soul, too, must be nurtured in daily prayer, given the food of the Eucharist, pruned in the sacrament of penance, and live in the light of the Holy Spirit. But in order for humility to kill the deep roots of self-love, pride and vanity in a soul, she must come to my cross for her heart to be plowed with my thorns and wounds. Those words are powerful. In order for humility to kill the deep roots of self-love, in our hearts is where there is self-love, pride, vanity. And it is only the souls that end, open their hearts, go into those deep places that then humility can enter to root out those. I, I think this is beautiful that it says that the cross, entering into the cross is like a tool um, Think if you want to tighten a screw with your fingers, there's only so far you can go. But for it to be really tight, you need a tool. 
And like the same way, I can say, I'm going to try to be humble. That's good. It's a choice, but it won't go too far unless I go into the cross because it is the source of humility. The cross is the fountain of humility that I need to drink from. So as I gaze upon the cross, then the Holy Spirit can do this work. Humility killed the Right, the, the cross coming into, it becomes the machine that plows the earth, that yes. has to go into it. Those thorns that he gives us, those piercings, it starts to plow inside our heart, preparing it, and that's mm-hmm. our growth in humility. <clears throat> and we can see how Jesus loved, and he shows me self-knowledge the way I love. And and then he begins to lift me up to his way of loving. So then, what is then the first level of humility that we've learned and lived in chapters sec- 2 and 3? And remember, we've been living mainly chapters 2 and 3 for many years. So the first level of humility is knowing, discovering, and experiencing with all our being that we are nothing, dust, misery. Of ourselves, we are capable of only sin. And coming to discover more and more who God is through a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. The Lord said to us, and number 25 on page 78 of The Simple Path. Live with the innocence of a child the mission given to you. Be little, pure, humble. Be nothing. And it is I who will do the impossible. Trust with the innocence of a child. For you are nothing. Again, two times, nothing. But I am God. And I will use my little ones to confound the mighty ones of the world. So chapters 2 and 3, lived intimately, profoundly, deeply, brings us to know and to be happy in our nothingness and misery. And St. Faustina, we go back to her in number 1503, how she goes discovering true humility. She writes, when at the beginning of my religious life, following the novitiate, I began to exercise myself particularly in humility. The humiliations that God sent me were not enough for me. And so in my excessive zeal, I looked for more of them on my own. And I often represented myself to my superiors other than I was in reality and spoke of miseries of which I had no notion. (laughs) But a short time later, Jesus gave me to know that humility is only truth. And this is beautiful because as a community in our growth in humility, this is what the Lord was teaching us when we were living chapter 2 and continue living chapter 2, where he says, do not hide behind the mirror of false humility. All of us have been living a false humility. 
And it is only when we've come into contact with the truth about ourselves, the truth of our brokenness, the truth of our wounds, the truth of our disordered tendencies, the truth of all the lies we have come to believe, all of that truth about our misery, until we've come to know that, then we continue living in a false humility. So does that mean that it is easier for me to say I'm nothing, I am so stupid, I don't know many things, that's easier for me to do than to come to the reality of my misery and touch my wound Absolutely. and recognize attitudes and things that are real. But I want to hide those and then present. It's like this pious yeah. humility, but that's a false humility. And it is not pleasing to the Lord at all. And I can assure, I'm sure that when he sees that, he's, oh, he doesn't feel like stooping down and smelling us. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to make up our faults. They, <laughs> they are, they're real. And we just exactly. have to find them. <laughs> so then St. Faustina number 56 says, At the beginning of my religious life, suffering and adversities frightened and disheartened me. So I prayed continuously, asking Jesus to strengthen me and to grant me the power of his Holy Spirit, that I might carry out his holy will with will in all things, because from the beginning I have been aware of my weakness. I know very well what I am of myself, because for this purpose Jesus opened the eyes of my soul. I am an abyss of misery. And hence, I understand that whatever good there is in my soul consists solely in his holy grace. Mm. The knowledge of my own misery allows me at the same time to know the immensity of your mercy. And this is what we've learned in our path, that to come to know our misery is to come to know mercy. We cannot come to know mercy. This has been beautiful teachings of Father Ron to us through the years and really come to receive mercy until we come face to face with our misery. And she ends by saying, in my own interior life, I am looking with one eye at the abyss of my misery and baseness and with the other at the abyss of your mercy, O oh God. So let us review before we move on. Growth in the first level of humility is only attained through, and this is going to be a, a quick review for all of us, chapters two and three. Growth in the first nail of humility, first level of humility. First, persevere in living wrapped in the gift of self-knowledge. The Lord said to us in number 10, page 40 of the Simple Path, The soul that lives wrapped in the gift of knowledge grows in true humility and then is able to advance in my path on the wings of the Holy Spirit. Next, coming to feel the pain of our wounds and suffering the pain with Christ and in his wounds discovering how our wounds are infected in all our disordered tendencies. This brings us to knowing our misery, to humility. Persevering in suffering all with Jesus. 
What did our Lord teach us? When we suffer alone, when we suffer centered in ourselves, we're still rooted in self. But when we begin to practice suffering with Christ in him, it's a process of the Holy Spirit that begins to separate us from self and move us to live more and more in God. Constantly asking the question, why? As we face our inability to love those most difficult to love and in the very difficult situations of our lives, why? The question why we learn is the opening of the door of our heart to allow the Holy Spirit to answer and reveal the answers to those questions about ourselves. So to ask why is it so difficult for me to love this person in whatever fault there may be there objectively, but why is it so difficult for me to to love absolutely you know what inside of me what is causing me this inability to love persevere in disciplining ourselves to take our eyes away from self and gaze at Jesus crucified persevering in discovering Jesus's humble love hidden in the eucharist in his passion and attempting each day to live our hidden, ordinary lives united to his. Discovering more and more Jesus and Mary's hidden martyrdom of heart and seek to imitate their passion of love. Seeking our Lord daily in the Mass, Eucharistic adoration, and pondering the word regardless of our feelings. And all of this, my family, to know that even our ability to persevere, even our walk in the path is all grace from God. Growth in true humility, as we have learned in chapters 2 and 3, comes as we discover through the grace of God who we have become that we are not and journey towards discovering our authentic identity, who we truly are in Christ. This knowledge of who I am and who God is must bring us naked and on our knees before love crucified to beg for his mercy and depend solely on him. And that is why the Lord just recently told us in the message of March 21st, 2020, one sentence of that message says, my little one, the world must be brought to its knees. But for years, for those that have been living this simple path, God has been bringing us to our knees in repentance. Mm -hmm. And that is why further on in that message of 2020, the Lord says to us, you, I have found favor with you. Not because we are perfect, my community, but because we have grown in humility because we have lived more and more on our knees, crying our misery and receiving and entering the mercy of God. That is why the Lord is pleased. Could we say that we have become attached 
to our idea of who we are. And even though we may not completely like the way we are, we want to enhance it in our own ways, and we spend our energies and our times trying to be more attractive in many ways. And, uh, and so we don't trust the Lord who wants to show us our true identity. So the challenge is to hear, the call here of the Lord is, come to know who you are in the desire of God who created you from all eternity, wanted you to be, and he's going to dismantle and take away many of the lies and the false identities that you have. But don't fear because you're so much more beautiful than you think. And But we're still so afraid to allow ourselves to be transformed. We... It's our security blanket that he has to take away for something new to come. But the good news is, because this is just the introduction, we haven't yet entered, but it was an important review because our whole moving into the crucifixion is really to have that heart, meek and humble heart like Christ. So all of this work of the path is a work of transformation also in humility it goes side by side but the good news is that all the beautiful men and women of love crucified that i've had the honor of walking this path with for years have been more and more letting go of those masks really living this path i'm honored by so many that have entered profound wounds that have discovered Um, their false identity that have looked at it and have done this path. And that's why I see more and more growth in our our community in true humility. And I want to end this introduction with some words from a woman called Melody Jean Genot. She wrote in a blog, and I thought this was so powerful because it's so true. Concerning humility. She said, I am living in a fantastical delusion when I see myself as the center of the universe, viewing everything as it circles around me. As believers, we sing and recite prayers that proclaim that God is the center of all. (laughs) But our psychological makeup screams the exact opposite. That is the duplicity. We say, it's so beautiful what she says, all these prayers that God is the center of my life, but it's a lie. Because for all of us human beings, because of the consequence of original sin, we are the center of our lives. And our whole psychological makeup is in there. And that's why... Only souls that are willing to go deep within their own hearts, the beauty of the path, can come to see this and open themselves up for a profound transformation for the saints of these end times. She goes on to write, I view people, events, history, and yes, even God through my eyes, judging what is right, trusting my thoughts and my feelings as the final judge of what is real. 
There is a world of difference between a man who is aware of himself sitting on a hill and looking at a beautiful sunrise and a man so enthralled with that very same sunrise that he forgets himself and becomes absorbed in the scene. In the first instance, the man is egocentric. He is in delusion at the center of his world, not God. When Jesus says, we must die to ourselves, he is not speaking about some pious self-sacrifice that makes us look holy. No, he has something much more radical in mind. The kind of inner transformation Jesus desire, desires literally rips the rug up from under our feet and shatters our delusions, our worldview. That is where we're going with this retreat. We are allowing God to shatter us, to break us. We are now entering the first nail of crucifixion. We are going to allow the Lord to crucify our desires. And we end this introduction with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 12. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. My community... To live the path is to live a daily death so that it is God, Christ, more and more in us. And in the end, it's so beautiful what St. Paul says, so death is at work in us, but life in you. We are victim souls, victims of love. And we say yes, our fiat, our covenant, to die so that we can bring life through God to many souls. So I look forward to the next reflection, which will be the first one, where we will begin to enter chapter four, the first nail of crucifixion. And we end also this part of this beginning of this retreat. We wanted to start with Maria Higgins' song, Crucificate. It's a beautiful song of being crucified. I thought it would be the theme that song. So for those of you that can understand the words in Spanish, read the lyrics of the words in English so you can see the beauty of that song as you listen to it. God bless you. The lyrics are in our website in, yes. in both languages. Es noche 
de insomnio y dolor. He vuelto a dar mi sí a esta pasión de amor. Voy camino a mi Getsemaní. Mi pobre corazón se deja traspasar por ti, de amor por ti. más cruel es más amargo que el ayer por ti mi martirio interior por ti se dejará azotar mi tierno corazón por ti mi amor por ti y mi alma agonizante en medio de la multitud se deja traicionar tres veces como mi Jesús bajo el peso de la cruz tres veces volveré a caer entre golpes y empujones gritan, crucifícate, oh, crucifícate, oh, crucifícate. Él me llama a morir sus pies mi amor crucificado quiere que sufra con él y vivir mi calvario de amor prendida su mirada corazón con corazón en su pasión Tres horas eternas de cruz Son horas de aprender a amar unida a mi Jesús En su misericordia a las tres mi corazón descansará, al fin descansaré, descansaré en él, descansaré. Y mi alma agonizante en medio de la multitud deja traicionar tres veces como mi Jesús 
Bajo el peso de la cruz tres veces volveré a caer Y entre golpes y empujones gritan Crucifícate Oh, crucifícate For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified Community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you.